The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Do your finances feel like, I don't know, a house of cards? We're going to see how this goes. But, you know, maybe for you, you're doing really well. You're building really well. Maybe for others of you, you're struggling. And you're just trying to make it, and you're trying to survive just to get by in the moment. Maybe some of you, you're building your house of cards, and it's just growing and growing, and it's getting wider and higher. And others look in at your house, and they're super impressed. Well, not very impressed yet. Um, And regardless of how well you're building (laughs) your house of cards, it's still just that, a house of cards. Feels insecure, unstable. And certainly, I mean, you know, who could have predicted what would happen in 2020? No matter how well you were building, uh, the ground around you began to shake. And go ahead, keep building. We 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 wanna see you keep trying in futility. We might, we might do this a little longer. You know, like, meaning you're doing really well, and then 2020 hits, and suddenly it starts to shake. Or maybe it collapses. And what I've discovered is it really doesn't matter whether you're just trying to survive to get by, or you're doing really well and you're succeeding. Maybe you're succeeding beyond even your dreams. Maybe you're wildly wealthy, but it's still a house of cards. And you know, circumstances come along and the instability of life hits. Oh man, I was, real <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to get up. Go ahead, let's try one more time. Because um, I, I really wanted to illustrate that I could knock it over, you know, but he, he's doing a good job on his own. You know, 2020 comes and, uh, and, and it knocks over. Maybe you're the cause of your own house of cards collapsing. And uh, here's the thing, regardless of what hits and regardless of how wide or how high you were able to build it, it feels insecure and unstable. And then something comes along and kicks the legs out, out from underneath it. Or maybe circumstances come and they knock it over or, 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 you know, maybe 2020, you know, crushes it. Stay with me here for a moment. But, uh, hey, would you guys do a favor, whether you're online or in person, give Pastor Jay a round of applause here. That's awesome. Um, he, he, here's what I know, though. You can try really hard, but it's always your effort. You're putting your best effort in, and you're trying to, you're trying to build hard and fast before circumstances come along and knock it down or knock it over. I mean, who could have predicted 2020, and no matter what you built, now you're, now you're trying to rebuild. And maybe you're putting all of your resources, you know, I don't know, in GameStop. And uh, you're hoping that the booming stock prices are going to set you up for retirement. And, uh, you know, and then some hedge fund is there trying to tear it down. I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you that it always feels like a house of cards. Because there's no free lunch, right? Like no matter what you put in, you're trying, 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 and you only get it as wide and as high as you can build it before circumstances start to knock it down. I mean, I, I feel like I can relate to this very personally in leading LifeHouse, right? Because here, here's how it works. When 2020 hit you and hit your businesses, closed the doors on your company, or you lost your job, or you got cut hours, well, that affects your giving. And when it affects your giving, it affects our resources. And so I'm not saying that to complain. I'm saying that just as a reality, right? Like, we've got a payroll to keep. 
We've got mortgage to pay. We've got outreach that we want to lead. We've got missionaries we want to support, but that's all contingent on what, what's happening in your life and your giving. And so when you're affected, we're affected, right? And so I have felt like that hurry of trying to put it together while the world and the winds and the storms are seem to be keep knocking it down. And so you can go through life just feeling like you're in a hurry to quickly build the house of cards before another circumstance or another difficulty hits against it. That, that's certainly how the followers of Jesus felt. His closest friends were right there with him. Let, let me set the stage before the financial crisis moment. They got word that their friend and a great leader in the faith, John the Baptist, was brutally murdered that day. And so here Jesus and his friends wanted to withdraw to just grieve, just be alone. But people surrounded Jesus looking for hope, looking for a miracle. And so Jesus spent time with those who came to him and he healed the sick. He did miracles for those who were desperate. He began to teach. <laughs> he was teaching so much that even when he withdrew, the crowd followed him. They followed him into a remote place. And Jesus is spending time with these people, so much time that they didn't even have time to stop and eat. And so we're gonna jump into a story as told by Mark. And I, I love the way Mark writes. So some of you, you wouldn't have a background in this if you're not real familiar, but Mark was probably the first one to write any of the New Testament books, the first one to write the gospel. So it, he's like the earliest author writing out his experience, his eyewitness experience of spending time with Jesus. And so he's writing this story and it's called the gospel according to Mark. And it gets included in the Bible, the New Testament the Bible. So he's telling the story of Jesus. So let's jump in. Mark chapter 6. Uh, he writes this. Jesus said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So Jesus is like, let's get out of here. Let's, let's go get some rest. And so they try to get away, but crowds follow them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large, so they went in a boat, they, they crossed, they go over to the other side of a lake. When they get to their side though, they saw a large crowd had come, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. And so Jesus is teaching, and maybe you can relate to this, no matter how hard you work, there's always more need. So I think that's how sometimes within the church we feel. No matter how much we give, there's always more work to be done. No matter how many people you serve, there's always more to be served. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you feel like that in your own home. No matter how many times you feed your family, they just want more food. Laura and I joke about this, you know, with six kids, uh, we, we joke, we're like, they want to eat again? Like, didn't we just finish cooking and cleaning up and doing the dishes, and now there's another meal to prepare? Like, are you, what, they, they want to eat again? Like, there's three meals in a day? Like, what is this? Can't we cut it down to two? I mean, whose idea was this? Uh, anyway, it seems like in, in, our, in the world we live in, there's always more need. There's always hungry people. There's always desperate people. And so Jesus is teaching, and he just sees the desperation. And so as we continue to read, it said, by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. We're out in the middle of nowhere, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. I find it interesting 
that the disciples, they see people in desperate need in front of Jesus, and their response is, send them away. See, the disciples had an accurate diagnosis of the problem, but they didn't know the cure. They, they knew the question, they just didn't know the answer. And so their solution to the problem is send the people away to take care of themselves, to fend for themselves. And maybe, you know, maybe that's where you're at today when it comes to a financial reality in your life. See, here's, maybe you think like these guys. I mean, Jesus may be the son of God, but he doesn't have a lunch. He doesn't have any food available. And so you might think about it like this. I mean, I believe in God. I go to church. I have faith in Jesus. But the reality is he's not going to write the checks to make payroll. He's not going to go to work and work in the factory. He's not going to change the brakes on the car. He's not going to take out the trash. He's not going to do the job for me. And so I need to send the problems away. I need to remove myself from this situation because I got to take care of myself. And so they said to him, as we continue to read, that Jesus says, you know, you, you provide for them. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? <laughs> Jesus, are you kidding me? We don't have enough. Our finances are like a house of cards. No matter what we give, it's never enough. No matter how much we do, it's not enough. We're on our own. We're looking out for ourselves. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? The disciples didn't have enough, and what the little boy had was a joke. I mean, what good are five barley loaves? I don't even know what barley loaves are, but so certainly they're of no value, but you know, what good are five small barley loaves? I, I like that the Bible includes and that Mark included adjectives to help you really get it. Not just five, five small loaves, not just five small loaves, five smarly, five, <laughs> smarly. <laughs> I'm in the habit of just making up words. Five small barley loaves and two small fish. I don't know why I didn't include fried fish, but two small fish. Now I have been overseas in countries where this is a normal meal where you would sit down for breakfast or for a meal and they would literally serve you bread and little small crusty fish. And I've watched people eat them and I've tried to eat them and it's weird. But this is what this boy brings, a weird little lunch. And uh, the, the, one of the disciples of Jesus comes and brings to him and he goes, here you go, Jesus. But I mean, what good is this lunch? Well, what good is this? And, and maybe, you know, you get your paycheck and you're like, this is literally five small barley loaves and two small fish. Maybe your job feels like five small barley loaves and two small fish. Maybe the business that you've spent years building as a result of the pandemic now looks like five small barley loaves and two small fish. Maybe when you open your retirement account and you look in, because you're comparing it to where it needs to be, it still looks like five small barley loaves and two small fish. 
but the boy brought his lunch to Jesus. And what you're going to discover from this story of how Jesus responds to desperate need is that generosity invites God's miracle provision. Now, I want you to make a note of that. Because as we're stepping into 2021, I believe that God wants to do in your life what only God can do. And generosity invites God to show up in your life and begin to write an only God story into every aspect of your life. And one of the ways God steps in and begins to write an only God story a story only God can write, is when you offer him generosity. So your generosity invites only God to do miracles in him providing for you. We look at our life and we go, I, I can't do it. No matter how fast I try to build, it's never enough. And that's because we're trying to earn it and deserve it. And, it we've, and some of you, maybe you feel entitled that others should work for you. They should earn it and you deserve it. And so some of you are dependent on your hard work and you're dependent on your job or your business or your paycheck or your career pathway. Others of you, you expect others to work hard and you expect the government to provide or you expect an entitlement to meet your needs. Either way, you're looking around everywhere else and everyone else or you're looking in at yourself trying to meet your needs. But you notice the focus? It's always on me or someone else to meet the needs. But no matter how hard we build, it's never going to stand. Why? Because we're building on what won't last. We're building on sand and it always collapses. Our life is built on what doesn't last. Because at the core of our life, there's something always kicking our legs out from underneath us. There's something always attacking our finances. You know what that is? Under the surface, it's not the pandemic. It's not the hedge funds trying to tear down your GameStop investment. It's, it's a spiritual force inside of every one of us. Sin. It's a spiritual sand that deteriorates or removes the foundation of our life and it leaves our life like a house of cards. Sin is a spiritual force inside of us that pushes us away from God. So we begin to build our life on what is shallow and shaky and sand and it removes the foundation and it leaves us living in a direction headed toward our own ruin, our own collapse, not just financial collapse, our emotional collapse, our relationship collapse, but yes, also a financial collapse. That doesn't mean that your, your retirement's going to evaporate or all that you earn is going to disappear. But what it does mean is no matter what you earn, it won't meet your deepest need. It will never satisfy your greatest longing. It will always feel insecure and unstable like a house of cards. Even if it continues to stand and survive, it will never make you feel stable or secure. Because sin can't do that in your life. No, the result of sin is ruin and forever destruction. But God, but God wants to do in your life and in my life what only God can do. And so while you might trust your ability to earn or deserve, we're always looking elsewhere, trusting our job, our business, someone else, the government. But until we get, we have to get to the place where we trust God as our only provider. Then we will discover the gift of generosity and the miracle of his provision. Let me jump back into 
the story. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass. <laughs> you know, if they were cows, they'd be a great, but you know, they weren't cows. There's a big, you know, plenty of grass in that place and that men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Now bear in mind that there was way more than 5,000 people. There may have been a crowd of about 20,000, but in this time, they only would count the men. And so you also have women and children. So a crowd, probably around 15 to 20,000 people, Jesus had them all sit down. Jesus then took the five small barley loaves and he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the two small fish. I love this story. I, I have a favorite uh, kid's Bible. I read it to my boys almost every night. I read the same Bible uh, when, when my girl, I read devotionals to my girls as well. But uh, this story in their Bible, it looks like this. Let me just kind of show it to you real quick. This is a story. I love it because um, there's Jesus with the little boy. and He's got the loaves and the fish. But in, in the story, he reads that Jesus leans over to the boy and he says, watch this. And I love that because that's an only God moment. It's when God steps in and goes, in your life, watch this. Watch what I can do. But it requires you to give God everything you've got. Here's what God does. When we're willing to come to God and say, God, my life is like a house of cards that's going to collapse. I need you to step in. And Jesus steps in. He doesn't just deal with your finances. He deals with every area of your life. And what God does is he takes the house of cards and he begins to remove what is insecure and unstable. And he becomes the rock of our life, the foundation. How? Well, he went to the cross and he died in our place. He absorbed the destruction of sin. He absorbed the judgment of sin. So when he died, he died in our place. He took the collapse on himself. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose victorious over sin, victorious over death, and victorious over eternal judgment. He absorbed our death sentence and then conquered it so that when we believe in Jesus by faith, he becomes our rock, our foundation, a firm foundation. So we are not building our life on what collapses, but we are building our life on what is secure and firm and what lasts. Not what's collapsing, but what's lasting. And so when we believe in Jesus by faith, it requires us to trust him. I, I love this little line in the story. It says as they ate and were satisfied. And for some of you today, you, don't, you, you may need bread. But what God wants to do is get your attention that he is the bread of life. And for some of you, your life, it doesn't matter how much you have, whether you're whether you're struggling just to survive, or whether you have plenty of wealth, it always feels insecure and unstable, but God wants to give you a firm foundation through faith in Jesus Christ. And if, if you want to eat and be satisfied, if you want to know that God is more than enough in your life, your first step is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to encourage you right now to say yes to Jesus. And if you're making that commitment, whether you're joining us in person or online, would you take a moment, pull out your smartphone, and send us a quick text. Text the name Jesus to 81411. Now, some of you, you've been around for a little while, and it used to have a different number. We, we got a new number. We upgraded. So now we went from a, now we, it's 81411. That's awesome. Text the name Jesus to 81411. Let us know that you're making that commitment. One of our pastors is going to send you a quick link 
to give you some resources as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus by faith, he forgives you of sin. He gives you new life. His spirit begins to live in your spirit. And when God's spirit begins to live in your spirit, he gives you that firm foundation that you build your life on. Now, let let me give you some keys from this story of Jesus feeding a crowd of probably 20,000 people with 5,000 men. Maybe he included just the fact that there was 5,000 men because you guys know how much men eat. I mean, they eat until they're full. And like some of us, we got hollow legs. We just eat and eat and eat. I mean, you got sons in the house, you know. These poor moms are like cooking and cooking. They're like, where's this food going? I I know for me, I always joke and tell the story. I have three brothers. So when we were in high school, uh, my mom finally set a rule that we could not make more than four sandwiches per person for our lunches at school. Why? Because we were making, each of us would take an entire loaf of bread, make it into peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and that's what we were bringing to lunch every day. My mom was like losing her mind. Why are we going through 15 loaves of bread a week? (laughs) So she said, that's it. You can only make four sandwiches per day. Ma, you're starving us to death. And uh, so maybe Jesus, you know, maybe when Mark tells the story, he's like, I mean, there was 5,000 men all eat like a loaf of bread full of peanut butter and jelly just for lunch. And uh, there's a lot of food and, and they all ate and they were satisfied. But the key is this, Jesus was teaching them to trust God as their provider. You want your life to not feel like a house of cards? You gotta trust God as your provider. So that when you lean into God, you discover that God is looking out for you. That you don't have to try, it's not that you don't have to work. It's that you understand that your work is not your provider. It's not that you don't have to run your business. It's that your business is not your provider. It's not that you don't sweat. It's not that you, don't, you aren't diligent. It's not that you don't get an education. It's that your education and your diligence and your effort are not the provider. Because if they're the provider, you're always putting in and putting in and putting in. You're always having to do, do, do. And no matter what, it's always on you. But when you trust God to be your provider, you're saying, God will use my diligence. He'll use my education. He'll use my business. But he is the source and he is the provider. What it means is that I know that God is committed to my care. God is committed to your care. God is looking out for you. He, he knows your need and he cares about every detail of your life. He is intimately involved in every aspect of your life and he is committed to your care. And so you trust God as your provider. You trust him as your source. That means everything I have is from God. I might do the work, but God is making it possible. I might, I might get the education, but God gave me the ability to learn, the ability to gain wisdom, the ability to use my education in order to produce wealth. God gives us the ability to earn and produce wealth. Everything I have is from God, so I trust God as my provider. Let's continue with the story. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Now up to this point, this is just an absurd story. 20,000 hungry people, they're really far out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Simon brings Jesus, or Andrew brings Jesus these, you know, five 
small loaves and two small fish from this little boy's lunch. And uh, Jesus takes it and he gives thanks. And if you're in the crowd, you're like, this is crazy. This is absurd. The key is no matter where you're at, no matter how much need you see around you, give thanks first. If I trust God as my provider, then I give thanks first. I give thanks before I'm looking for a miracle. I give thanks first simply because God deserves my gratitude. I give thanks because I'm giving, I'm putting, here's what we do. We put it, we try to take the need and take all of our problems and put it in our own hands. Jesus put it in the hands of God. He said, Father, I put this need in your hands and I give you thanks for how you will provide the, for the problem. We try to carry in our own hands. Jesus put it in the hands of God. He gave thanks and he gave thanks regardless of the outcome. I don't want you to give thanks only if God does a miracle. That's why he gave thanks before he distributed the food. He didn't distribute it, and then once everybody had enough, he said, now let's give thanks. He gave thanks before the miracle came, and sometimes in your life, you gotta be willing to give thanks first before you expect God to do a miracle. You gotta be willing to offer God what's in your hands and say, God, I give first to you, and I trust that you will meet every need, that you will show up and you will show off, but God, I give thanks first regardless of what happens. Let's continue to read. There's a few more principles I wanna make sure you don't miss. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? You know what the boy did? What Andrew did? The principle is this, we gotta give to God first. They gave. The boy gave up his lunch. He's the only one in 20,000 people who actually had a lunch, and now Jesus wants that? <laughs> he gave to God first, even when it didn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that the little boy, who only had enough to feed a little boy, would give Jesus his lunch. Some of you, you, you think about giving to God and you're like, what? It doesn't make any sense. What difference will my generosity make in the needs of the world I live in? What difference will it make in Hagerstown or in Chambersburg or maybe where you live in your own community? What difference does my generosity make to God when I look at all of the need? I'm one in 20,000 hungry people. How will my lunch make any difference? How will my generosity, how will my tithe, how will my offering make any difference? But what, what God is asking from us is that you can keep what you have. In your hands, your lunch will only feed you. And even at that, you'll probably still be hungry. It's a house of cards. If it was still in Andrew's hands, it'd just be, a, it'd just be enough lunch to maybe feed Andrew. So what the boy had got transferred to Andrew and now Andrew eats and the boy goes hungry. And some of you, you don't give to God because you're like, well, they're gonna eat and I'm gonna go hungry. You don't give to the church because you think, well, if I give to the church, someone else is gonna eat, but I'm gonna go hungry. I don't even have enough to meet my needs. Why would I give to the church so that they can meet someone else's needs? But when you put it in the hands of God, you give to God first. When it's in Jesus' hands, a lunch that could barely feed a boy 
feeds 20,000. See, it, it's not a matter of what you have. It's whose hands you put it in. It's not a matter of how much, how big your lunch. It's a matter of fact that when you give it to Jesus, he could take a lunch that would feed a boy and he could feed 20,000. You've been holding back because you're doing the math in your head. You're doing earthly math while Jesus is doing heavenly calculus. You're doing, you're doing math at your level when God is at an eternal level. If you would take what's in your hands and put it in God's hands and give to God first and trust him, you will begin to see what God can do, what only God can do. And God wants to do miracles through your generosity, through your sacrificial generosity. In the church, we use a term. It's a weird word. It's called a tithe. Now, if you saw it and you weren't familiar with the word, you might call it a tith. All right? Tithe. T-I-T-H-E. It's simply a word to reference an Old Testament, meaning an ancient idea of setting aside 10% of everything you earn to give it to God. Now, obviously, you're not just going to throw it up at the sky and God can have what he wants and give back the rest. I know some of you think that way. What The idea of tithing is giving it to the local church. And so when you give a tithe, you bring in 10%, whether you give it online or you give a check, however you give, you give to the local church so that the church can provide so we can do ministry, provide spiritually for you, provide spiritually for others, and reach a community for Jesus. Can I encourage you? This might seem senseless. God invites a senseless sacrifice. When you talk to others, it might not make a lot of sense. He invites a senseless sacrifice because God wants us to step out in obedience first before the miracle comes. And God is wanting to make a distinction between us and a broken world. A broken world that is a house of cards, where everyone's looking out for themselves, where everyone is driven by selfishness rather than self-sacrifice. When we give to God, we're saying, God, I trust you, and I'm going to obey you regardless of whether I want this lunch or I need this lunch. And when we put it in the hands of God and we trust God, we trust him to do miracle, do a miracle through providing for 20,000 just through a lunch. But don't just stop at tithing. Can I encourage you to go above and beyond? Give sac I, for some of you, tithing is crazy sacrificial. There are others of you, you can give above and beyond that. Let, let's jump back into this story. I want to read one more verse or a couple more verses and give you one more challenge. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. I love how God wastes nothing. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. You want to know why there's 12? Because there's 12 disciples. Every one of them had a basket and every one of them filled it up. Baskets filled with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. <laughs> Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. The key here is that God is inviting us to become part of his miraculous provision. It's an invitation to participate in what God is doing. <laughs> I find it amazing, beautiful, remarkable that the God of all history, the God who created everything that exists 
with the words of his mouth who could meet every need on earth in every moment just by speaking the word chooses to let us become part of his miracles. God wants to do an only God miracle in our community, in our city, in the cities around us, but he chooses to do it in and through us. And so he invites us to give a senseless sacrifice because he's inviting us to participate in miracles, miracles that are waiting to happen through our generosity. And so I want to invite you, would you loosen your grip on what you have? It might be a lunch. It might be a lot, but it's always a house of cards. Would you take what you have and put it in the hands of God and trust him to do what only God can do? Now, as we, as we are a couple weeks into the year 2021, I, I use a weekend like this to, you know, promote what we call kingdom builders. It, it's our, like some churches have like a missions effort. We put it all into one kind of mutual fund and we invite you to participate. In November, we take up a miracle offering. So this is not me asking for money. I'm just giving you a heads up. But this is a moment where I invite you to participate. Would you make a commitment in 2021 that you're going to trust God and your generosity is going to invite God's miracle provision? That you're going to trust God as your provider, that you're going to give thanks first, that you're going to give to God first, and that you're going to participate in the miracles of God through his provision because you're gonna be part of it. One of the ways that you can do that is by committing this year to partnering with us in Kingdom Builders. Now, if you wanna, if you wanna hear more, you wanna read more, I'm not gonna take any more time tonight or today to share about this. What I wanna simply do is point you in the right direction. You can go to um, L, uh, lifehousekb.com I'm like stumbling on my words here. And you can read all about the different projects. We have projects that are going to help meet the needs of those that are desperate in need in our communities, across the globe, church planting efforts, preparing to launch a new campus, all kinds of efforts. Go to lifehousekb.com. You can read all about it. What I want to encourage you to do is would you make a commitment this year that you're going to give regularly toward kingdom builders and you're going to see how God takes a senseless sacrifice and does the impossible. He wants to do it through your life. Every one of us can be that little boy who comes to God and says, God, I, I don't know what you're going to do with these five small barley loaves and these two small fish. In my hands, they'd be barely enough for a lunch. In someone else's hands, barely enough for a lunch. But God, in your hands... You can feed the hungry, clothe the naked, meet the needs of the desperate, free the addict, rescue out of slavery the person trapped in human trafficking. You can help a child um, who, who's right now in an unstable living situation have a healthy, stable home. God, you can, you can resource missionaries. You can plant churches. God, you can do the impossible through my sacrificial generosity. And God, I'll be a part of that. I realize this might be the hardest ask I give you this year because for some of you your finances are your God your finances are an indication of your ability to control remember in your hands it's a house of cards so I'm gonna encourage you would you just right now would you say God I'm gonna put it in your hands so I'm gonna pray with you by the way if you're ready to make that commitment we gave you a card I want you to fill out that card with your commitment you can drop in the giving boxes if you're with us in person uh, if you're with us in person or online you can also go to lifehousekb.com and you can make your commitment there. Look, my goal is that you be willing to take your finances and trust God with it. Let me pray over you. Jesus, 
thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us to ourselves living in a house of cards. You became the firm foundation. And now, God, you, you're asking us to trust you as our provider, to give thanks first, to give to you first, and then, let, and then we, you're inviting us to be part of the miracles that you want to do. And so, God, thank you. Thank you that you would invite us to participate. We're celebrating that. Jesus, I ask that you would bless every individual that's going to take a step of obedience this weekend. They're going to begin to tithe. They're going to begin to give. They're going to make a commitment to kingdom builders in 2021. God, whatever step they take, I pray that you'd show up and you'd show off. And you'd turn what otherwise felt like a house of cards into something firm and stable and strong because you are the provider. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.